Hi, and welcome to another episode of Sneakers and Strategies, the only podcast where we talk about marketing strategy and sneaker culture. On today's episode, we're going to discuss how to build a marketing plan and Kyrie's situation with Nike. Let's get started. All right, well, welcome to another episode of Sneakers and Strategies. I'm your host, Nick Kastner, Director of Brand and Digital Strategy at Forum Communications and instructor at the University of North Georgia's Mike Cottrell College of Business. Um, today, we're going to talk about marketing. So in our last episode, we, ta- we discussed uh, a, a recent class that I taught for a regional community foundation and teaching nonprofits how to do marketing. And in doing that, you know, I took... I don't know, six months and built basically an entire plan on how I wanted to teach the class. And one of the sections of that was how to build a marketing plan. And a lot of organizations, small and large, just don't know how. So today we're going to back up and we're going to talk about how you actually build a marketing plan as an organization. And I think many times it feels overwhelming and it's just a lot easier to buy ads when they show up, you know, when a a newspaper or a media outlet or even, you know, you get an email from Google Ads and it says, you know, you get a free $100 credit. Well, okay, well, I'm going to run some ads now. Um, But it actually is much more efficient and effective if you actually build a plan from top down. And so there's, there are multiple different ways to set aside a marketing budget, but there's really only one way to build a plan. And that's what we're going to, we're going to walk through that. So we're going to start kind of at the beginning about what marketing does. So marketing creates value, and that value is different based on who you are. So from the company's perspective, you hope that a marketing plan would help build culture, hope to drive revenue, um, hope to build up the organization in that way. For uh, customers, of course, you're trying to meet a need that they have. So Marketing should help create that value. So whether it's in product development or how you message the product, so or even the marketing research that's done to help um, improve your products and services. So that's where it would benefit the customer. And of course, there's the value exchange, right? So customers pay money for the goods and services that you provide, and then the company receives that revenue in return for the, the value it gives back to the consumer. But there's another group that constantly gets forgotten, and that's the collaborator. So do you create value for your vendors, for your partners? And what does that relationship look like? Because a lot of times I know in some organizations, um, a service provider or a partner that may, you know, like an agency like what we do, sometimes it's difficult for companies to think beyond the box and think about how they create value for those partners, but how those partners create value for them. That's how you really build the best relationships with your agency, with your third-party service providers, software providers, you know, really understanding how each of you provide value. So I know the clients that we have at Forum, we really work hard to make sure they understand the value we create. But not only that, that we have just a mutual mutual respect in how we manage our relationship together. So that leads to the different ways we, so, so those are the three, what they call the three C's, right? So the company, the customer, the collaborator, those are the groups that you can create value for. And then 
In creating that value for the customer in particular, there are three ways we do that. So it could be monetary. So the customer, there's monetary value, right? There's cash exchanged. The hope is that you create psychological value. So, you know, when we get into this discussion about Kyrie at the end of the episode, how does Nike create uh, psychological value for their customers? And then last, and so you can also do that to, you know, improve their self-esteem or, you know, make them feel good about themselves. So that's a way that we can do psychological value. And then functional value is actually what the product does. So if you buy a refrigerator, the expectation is that it keeps your food cold and your frozen goods frozen. If it doesn't do that, then it actually does not function or it does not function in the way that it should. So those are the ways that we create value. So the reason that matters, if we go back, kind of go back to the top here of a marketing plan, we have to understand how we create value as a company or a nonprofit or an organization in order for us to communicate that. So really the goal of marketing is to create value, and we do that by communicating the value that we provide and the things that we would provide are you know, products. There's value that our brands create for the consumer, the way we communicate, uh, the services we provide. Even if we sell products, we still provide services in customer service, um, pricing, how we manage pricing, and then distribution of the things that we actually you know, sell or the service, services we provide. So if we're going to build a marketing plan top down, Here's, is what, here's what I recommend that you do. First, set goals. So um, we as an organization, so I'm just going to say any organization, as an organization, you should already know who your customers are, who your collaborators are, your company's history, the value that you provide. So if you don't, if you don't have that, you need to s- stop. Like stop everything, figure that out. Who are you? What is your brand? What is your voice? We'll talk about that in a future episode. Who are your customers? Who are your collaborators that you work with to make sure you can deliver the things that you say you deliver? And then who is your company? Like, how do you define that? Why are you even in business? You really have to answer those questions before you can, you know, get started. Once you have that information, though, and again, we, we will certainly cover how to do customer research and things in a future episode, but most of you probably have that, or at least have some idea of that. So if you know who you are, you know who your customers are, you know who your partners are, then you really need to start at goals. So what are the goals for your organization over the next six months? What about the next 12 months? What about the next five years? How do you build a marketing plan in the near term, in the in like in a six month period or a year, that's going to help you reach the five year goal? Now, I will be very honest. We can set goals, and the the idea is to target those goals and run after those as hard as we possibly can. But the tactics that you use to get there will probably change. So, let's say that we set a goal of growing our revenue. By 10%, and we're going to do that by selling X number of a particular product. Okay, that is a that is a reasonable goal. Now, how do we do that? Well, do we have the right customers? Are we targeting the right customers? Um, do we have the right partners to be able to deliver? 
And is our company ready to kind of move in whatever direction we're setting from the goal perspective? So if we know who we are and know all that stuff, we can answer those questions pretty easily. So we have goals, we have strategies, right? That would be the, what is the company going to do? What are we going to do with collaborators? What are we going to do with customers? Now I will say over the past three years, most of the businesses that we work with um, have been very successful in reaching their goals, setting goals, you know, winning in, in those terms. The thing they've struggled with and not for all, but I would say like maybe 10% of our clients have struggled with is the supply chain issue. So they knew who they were, they knew who their customers were, but collaborators became a real problem. And we have some clients today that collaborators are a real problem. You know, we need to buy a this particular part for this particular product. Okay, well, it's going to be six months out. So they have to go find other collaborators or they have a in their supply chain itself, maybe they have a collaborator problem where, you know, a particular product that they purchased from a, a partner doesn't work the way that they anticipated. So what they've had to do is shift and that shifts everything further down the, the marketing plan. Because if we know what our goals are, but we have problems in the top in our strategies and customers or collaborators or the company itself, then that filters down to everything else. So maybe we had bought some ads and placed a magazine ad, let's say, for a particular new product. New product was going to launch. Now new product is not going to launch for another three months. Well, we already bought the ad, and so we have to negotiate with our ad vendors to say, okay, can we push that out? Can we use that ad three months from now, not in this issue? So that's one of the things that we deal with frequently in, in marketing. So we have goals. So in a backup, we have goals strategies, tactics. And so the tactics are the things that I mentioned before, like the products, the services, the way that you communicate, um, incentives you may offer, how you manage distribution, how you manage pricing. All those things are the tactics that you use to execute the strategies. That's the company, the collaborators, how you reach out to customers to reach the goals. Then we set the implementation strategy. So we actually literally put together a Gantt chart or a um, or an agile marketing plan that says, okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to make it happen. And then we execute on it and then we measure it. So that's how we, we measure for success. Are we reaching the goals? Are we not? And if not, what can we do to adjust our implementation? That's a marketing plan. And so it's goals, understanding who we are, who our customers are, who our collaborators are, the tactics we're going to use, how we're going to implement it, and then how we're going to measure it. It's really not that difficult. It just takes time. And that's what most organizations just don't slow down long enough, especially small and medium businesses. They don't slow down long enough to actually build a marketing plan. They just kind of, you know, they'll start with, okay, we're going to make these products and people are going to buy them because we're going to tell people about them. That's the plan. And so if you back up and really think through, okay, well, maybe if we thought about each element of the, the sales cycle for our customers or, okay, are we helping drive awareness? What happens once they know who we are? How do we convert them or how do we get them to consider us, then convert them? And then once they are converted to a customer, how do we drive loyalty and advocacy? Like how do we actually get them to become fans of ours to, to help tell our story so we can drive more awareness and continue to grow. 
And so that's the that's the heart of marketing plan. Now, if um, one of the things that I hope to do in the near term is I actually want to build a class on Udemy and teach all of this. So um, in today's podcast, there are no slides or any of that. But my hope is over the next, I don't know, three months that I have an opportunity to actually build out the entire class. And I'll share that on the podcast because I think it would be really beneficial for a lot of you who listen, and especially for those in the small business space, because you may not be able to hire an agency like Forum. Um, it may not be in your budget. You may not be able, you may be a nonprofit and you really just need some direction. So my hope is to do that. So hopefully you'll have the tools available to you so you could build a marketing plan on your own. Or, of course, you could call an organization like Forum or many other agencies that are out there that may be um, more regional to you or someone you may already know, um, and that could be beneficial as well. All right, so with that, um, I want to talk for a minute about, we're going to switch over to sneakers and talk about the situation with Kyrie. So many of you may or may not know, but Kyrie Irving... Um, recently was suspended um, because of some things that he posted on Twitter. So everyone was suspended a minimum of five games without pay by the Brooklyn Nets after posting a Twitter link to a documentary that contained some anti-Semitic messaging, and he refused to issue an apology. So they suspended him. He has recently met um, as of Tuesday, uh, which would have been November 8th, he met with the NBA commissioner Adam Silver to discuss the situation. He's issued. He's now issued an apology. Um, but the big thing, a big part of this, was Nike walked away with their deal with Kyrie. So Nike had a partnership just like they have with LeBron James, and of course the Jordan brand. But they had a, a partnership with Kyrie Irving, and they have Irving. The Irving. Nines actually were supposed to be released in November, so uh, later this month. So it's really interesting to me that Nike walked away from Kyrie after this because there are other things happening in the market, too, related to brands like Twitter and others where we're starting to see again this um, um, activism um, against brands or individuals or influencers when they make a mistake. So now I will say Kyrie has a history. Um, Kyrie is really well known for conspiracy theories. Um, he posts all sorts of things that are very iffy. Um, and I, I understand why Nike would want to step away for some, from someone like Kyrie. However, I will also say that for many of if you were born in the 80s, so if you're not, so I'm not quite a millennial. I'm not, of course, a, a, a Gen Z, but I kind of fall in this what they call zenial space where I remember what it was like before the internet and remember what it's like, of course, after the internet. If you would remember back in the, you know, I would say early 90s, even late 80s, a lot of this stuff just didn't happen, right? Because we didn't have Twitter and we didn't have all these ways for people to communicate some of their crazy ideas. And we all know now that some of the people that we looked up to at in, in those years were crazy. So 
but they weren't canceled. So even in their even in their personal even with their personal issues, they weren't canceled in this way. So this is a this has been a new phenomenon in the internet age that we've kind of had to we've had to experience, we've managed through. But, you know, Kyrie got dropped by Nike. Well, I'm not I'm not crazy about Kyrie's shoes, so that doesn't, you know, the sneakerhead part of me is like, okay, whatever, not a big deal. Um, the Kyrie Infinity, actually, my daughter plays volleyball. It's actually the best volleyball shoe that Nike makes. So we just actually, I mean, before all this happened, not two weeks before all this happened, we had bought her a pair of Kyrie Infinities for volleyball. So now, you know, of course, they've been canceled and they'll be pulling shoes off the shelf. They won't be doing any more Kyrie shoes. I'm sure they'll continue to sell what they have, but once it's gone, it's gone. But what I'm really curious about is what happens with other brands moving forward. Like we've seen other people make mistakes, maybe not in an anti-Semitic way like Kyrie did, but other people make mistakes and they don't get canceled in this way. So where is the line that has to be crossed in order for a brand to make a decision to get rid of an influencer? Because there are tons of stories where an influencer made a huge mistake with a brand or even um, where the brand would send them the copy. So they would actually send them the words that they wanted to put in an Instagram post. And instead of rephrasing it or whatever, they would just literally copy the email and it would have like company information in it that wasn't supposed to be shared. And they would still get paid for it. So... And they weren't canceled. So how, what, I, I'm just curious, because I don't know the answer to this. At what point do you get canceled? Does it, I know it's brand dependent because a lot of brands don't cancel people. Nike does. Nike sometimes leans into controversy and sometimes leans out of controversy. But how does it make those decisions? And so a lot of times, at least the way that we structure things at Forum for Clients, is it has to be about your brand voice. So if your brand is a given archetype and they kind of, you know, your brand if, if your brand was a person, who would it be? That's what, really what we do. Once you define that, I'm assuming that these brands that are making these decisions decide, okay, well, our brand would not lean into this. We would lean into this. I understand that. Like Forum even has a brand. Um, where we've had discussions even internally about the whole situation with Twitter and based on Forum's brand, would or would not Forum post on Twitter? Well, we continue to post on Twitter at the moment, but if the wheels fall off entirely, then we probably will pull out of that platform. So, But that's all based on the brand voice of the company. My greatest concern for small and medium businesses as we get into this kind of world of cancel culture, and how do we manage a brand when there's controversy is when a small business owner makes a poor decision or a small business staff member makes a poor decision. How do you handle it if you don't know who your brand is? And so that puts you at significant risk. And so the question that I would ask to you, small businesses who listen to this podcast or even medium-sized businesses is, do you know who you are? And if you don't, how would you make this decision? If a staff member or a, an influencer or a collaborator 
made the decision that they were going to do something that was likely going to be controversial or that would go against culture, how would you handle it? Do you have a plan for that? Do you have a risk plan? Have you thought through that? And if not, I would encourage you to. Because you really need to know who you are to be able to make some of these decisions. And as the world continues to change and more and more content is going to be shifting to video, and that's going to be one of the leading tactics, as we talked about marketing plans, it's going to be one of the leading tactics. How do you, how do you deal with it? When somebody posts something crazy on video and that you didn't want to get out or that they posted and it affects your brand, what do you do? And the only way to know that is to know who you are. So with that, that's that's the end of today's podcast. Thank you for listening. Um, we'll be back next week with another episode of Sneakers and Strategies. Um, I'm your host, Nick Kastner. If you need anything in marketing, always feel free to reach out to us at Forum Communications. Our website address is forumspeaks.com. Um, and if you've enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review. Um, I'd love to see your comments, any feedback that you have about the show. Um, look forward to speaking to you again very soon.